You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Who would have thought that twin fruits dressed in nothing but pyjamas would capture the hearts of children across Australia and the world? Originally aired in 1992, Bananas in Pyjamas has gone on to be syndicated across the globe and dubbed into a myriad of other languages. The Bananas have earned countless cultural accolades and have been nominated for Logies and Arias across the years. So what is it that makes these cheery yellow fruits and their teddy bear friends so beloved? Joining us in the studio is the co-creator of Bananas in Pyjamas, Simon Hopkinson. Hi, Simon. How are you? Hi, I'm well. Congratulations. It's the 25th anniversary. Amazing. Yes, Can you believe that they've lasted this long? (laughs) I'm delighted. They're looking very sprightly for working so long on television. Mm. Um, I'm curious, as a parent, there are many sort of cartoons and things based on nursery rhymes that my children adore that completely baffle me in their rationale. And I'm just wondering, where did the bananas come from? Why are they wearing PJs? And what's with their love-hate relationship with the teddy bears, running, chasing, catching? <laughs> well, they had a very interesting um, genesis. Uh, back in the late 1960s, uh, a composer, a very serious composer called Kerry Blyton, who happened to be the nephew of Enid Blyton. Uh, Kerry Blyton wrote some nonsense songs for his young son. Uh, and amongst these was the song Bananas in Pyjamas. And the songs were published by Faber and Faber in England in a little book. And Bananas in Pyjamas was the first song in the book. And interestingly, the illustration attached to the to, to the, the rhyme of the, the song shows... Um, these terrified teddy bears running away <laughs> from these uh, fang-toothed bananas <laughs> in red and yellow striped pajamas who are chasing them coming down the, the, the stairs. Now, the song was picked up by Australian Play School, and they used it a lot, and then they had a little animation done with it, except the bananas had now become more gentle, and they were in, in blue and white striped pajamas. And what happened was that in the late 80s, when the first ABC shops were being opened, uh, they produced the first ABC merchandise, which was four T-shirts, one with a Jemima on it, one with Big Ted on it, one with, I think, Little Ted, and then one with two bananas in pyjamas on it. And the T-shirt with two bananas in pyjamas on it outsold the others tenfold. Wow. So the good people at the ABC who were, you know, purely driven by their care for the audience and are not you know, don't aren't concerned with the profit most at all. Went, hmm, maybe we should produce a little five-minute show and sell it all over the world. And that's where I came in because in May 1991, I was trying to transition from working in theatre as a poorly paid playwright and director into television because it paid better. <laughs> and um, my plans were going a bit awry and um, I got a phone call um, from my agent who said that she'd been contacted by a producer at the ABC and they were desperately looking for a writer to develop a show for preschoolers and my agent said it's going to be actors in suits and the money is almost certainly going to be terrible and I can't think of anyone who would touch it with a barge pole but you're so desperate you better go (laughs) along and see her. So I went along and met Claire Henderson um, who was a original executive producer for Bananas in Pyjamas. And she said they had this idea that there would be these Bananas in Pyjamas living next door to some teddies 
and um, that would be the base of the show. So I said, how many bananas? And she said, more than one. And I said, how many teddies? And she went, more than one. <laughs> and then she said, well, you know, we need you to deliver um, a script before the end of June because that's the end of the financial year. At the end of financial year, the budgets disappear. You know, it's the ABC and it's government run. Anyway. So I left there very confused by the fact that I'd got this this gig. <laughs> um, I thought of myself as a serious adult writer. Um, and I actually extravagantly got a taxi from Gore Hill, where the ABC was in, in the north side of um, the harbour, back to my little office in East Sydney. And thought about the, the problem and thought... Um, thought about the words of the song, which bananas in pyjamas are coming down the stairs, bananas in pyjamas are coming down in pairs. I thought, oh, well, there could be two bananas in pyjamas. And then I had a sort of madcap idea that it'd be fun to have one character in, um, in two bodies so that they always knew what the other one was thinking. They'd always be in sync. And it just seemed to me that that was kind of absurd, as, as absurd as the, the name bananas in pyjamas. And then I also thought, I remembered that when my son, who was then 10, when he'd been about four or five, he'd had difficulty with reading and numbers. So I thought it'd be nice if the bananas also couldn't read or they weren't numerate, but that it didn't worry them at all. It was just another part of life's, you know, jokes, one of the jokes in life. And having come up with the two bananas, who I assumed were going to be male, I then thought, well, it's the ABC, so I'll only be able to afford three teddies. And <laughs> I've got two boy bananas, so the teddies will have to be girls. Well, at least two of them will have to be girls, um, and one will be very bossy, and one will be a bit sort of scatterbrained, and then the third one can be a boy, but it'll have to be a bit, bit of a soft wimp, you know, <laughs> into cooking and that sort of thing. So by the time the taxi ride was over, I'd got the sort of shape of the series, but the really, I didn't, at the first meeting, Claire said something to me which was actually very radical, although I didn't realize at the time. She said, this show is not going to have any educational agenda whatsoever. It is simply going to be five minutes of pure entertainment for our audience. And that's what we created. And, and of course, at the time, every, every preschool show had an educational agenda behind it. And, and that's where I think that's what made Bananas so refreshing was that it was just this funny five minutes. So, I mean, my children are of the age bracket that would watch mm, Bananas in mm. pyjamas. Your son was, as you said, a bit older. Mm. How do you tap into what makes that audience laugh when you have gone from, as you say, serious adult theatre, you've got an older child who may not have the same sense of humour? Well, once we... Funnily enough, just after I got this gig, um, I met my, my wife, Elaine, and by the time we got into the second series, we had a, a one-year-old daughter. Oh, there you go. There you That's go. why he had the daughter. But I think, I think <laughs> the important thing is we actually had a rule that um, if a story idea didn't make us, you know, the, the directors, the producers, the writers laugh, then it wasn't good enough for our audience. And I, the whole way through making the original live-action series... The focus was always on uh, the audience uh, and and um, providing them with with something which they would find funny and and entertaining. Um, I remember in, when we were doing the first series, uh, we had an early childhood advisor, and she sent me back a script of mine, 
we've written on the top was, please try to avoid using words of more than two syllables. So I sent the script back to her saying, please find me a four-year-old who does not know the meaning of the word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Because, <laughs> of course, you know, preschool kids are learning. They're engaging with language in a, in a complete different way from us because they are learning it. They're listening to it. They're very aware of the sound of language, and they, they relish in it, which is one of the appeals of the, the words bananas in pajamas. Um, and so we always try to use... Um, if you if you watch the, the the live action series, you'll notice that the dialogue is very um, rhythmical. It's almost like a sort of um, vaudeville patter, and that uh, we very often use words which might be beyond the audience's comprehension. We use it in a context where it becomes absolutely clear what it means. So it was that sort of, um, and I guess the other thing to answer your question is, you know, I'm. Um, I'm just a big kid. <laughs> it's always helpful. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Simon Hopkinson. He's one of the original creators of the banana in pyjamas. And we're just talking about how they came about, why we have these amazing bananas running around in pyjamas, chasing teddy bears. We all know the story. Um, what I remember very distinctly was, I can't even remember the year, but I remember when the live action program was transitioning to animated the animated program and there was a huge uproar and I remember feeling very sad that I mean I wasn't of an age anymore where I was watching it but I remember feeling sad that there would no longer be this live action series and of course now the live action series is on television again Mm. um do you think uh, what did you feel about that process of that transition to animation and what is it that is so popular about the live-action version that it's back on TV now? Um, I think, you know, in in the, the business world of television, um, people talk about brands, and Bananas in Pyjamas is and was a brand. And by um, 2010, the brand had... Um, well, we hadn't made a series a new series for for a long time. And it it probably seemed like a very good idea to kind of refresh the brand by moving it into animation. Um, I I have to be careful because obviously I'm biased here. (laughs) You're allowed to be biased. But I actually think it wasn't handled very well. I think that one of the problems with, with animation is that animation is very expensive. And... Um, the budgets for preschool television are very, very tight. And you can't do high-end 3D animation for preschoolers on the kind of budgets that that, that Australian producers work with. And I think they also made um, an error in trying to expand the world of Cuddles Avenue because one of the great things about the original series is is that um, without getting too much into the theory of why of, of of television series, but I believe that all really successful television series exist in a hermetically sealed world, in their own completely sealed off world. You know, if you if you watch Law and Order, um, it's set in it, it in its own world. It's a world. It's a New York Law and Order world, and it it never steps outside of that strict format. And in Bananas in Pajamas, we lucked into the fact that. Um, no one ever comes into Cuddles Avenue and no one ever goes out. There are essentially six locations and six characters. So it's a very containable world for a, for a, a preschool audience. 
Um, and also those those actors in suits were really like um, a, a kid's soft toys come to life. Uh, and I think that was um, part of part of the appeal um, and the fact that it was, you know, it looked kind of daggy and, and um, it wasn't slick and high tech was also a, a, another, you know, enabled the, the audience to get into it. And it's something about that also felt very Australian. Yes. Simon, it's been a pleasure talking to you about bananas. How, who knew there was so much history? Thank, <laughs> thank you for coming in. My pleasure, Vaughan. That was Simon Hopkinson, co-creator of Bananas in Pyjamas. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.